this direction. The dogs might well have followed him to the stream, but finding no trail on the far side would conclude rightly that he had intended to wade downstream till he could strike through the trees southwest to the downs and the sea beyond. It must have been somewhere along the stream that he'd missed the turn to the sea and safety. His stomach contracted. There was a sick taste in his mouth. Food he must have, and a horse, yet he knew that he had only enough money in his wallet for a loaf of bread. How would it be if he were to join the crowd of beggars at the castle gate and beg for bread from the woman who was to have been his wife? The idea amused him. His mouth twisted and his eyes, which were more yellow than hazel, narrowed. He was not a handsome man, though well made, with a long, lean frame. His hands and feet were slender, his shoulders supple. His height alone would have made him noticeable in a crowd, but his auburn hair and narrow head, with its strongly marked nose and chin, rendered him memorable. He had the ugly, humorous look of one who has battled long with life, and for the most part been the victor. But not this time. He groaned aloud. It was in his mind to curse the day he was born, but then he reflected that his mother must have done enough of that since, in bearing him, she had given up her own lease on life. Again his lips twisted. He rose to his feet, and adjusting the harness in which he carried his sword behind his shoulder, he pulled the hood over his head and took the path to the castle. He would not beg for food— while he had a few pence left in his wallet, but he would take a look at the Lady of Mulling before he went on his way. The castle wall was built of granite blocks, with here and there a turret peering down on those who walked below. The road bent to follow the curve of the wall, and presently a small postern gate came into view. Here a trestle table had been set up, in front of which stood a crowd of beggars together with a plainly-dressed woman and two children. Gervais stepped into the shadow of the wall and drew his hood further over his head. He thought it was lucky he had never been to Molling before, nor met its lady. A dark-haired girl, of middling height, came out of the postern and looked around her. Then she withdrew, letting the gate bang to behind her. One of the beggars called after her to make haste, for they were hungry, and it was nigh on sundown. Doubtless the girl, a waiting woman by the plain-cut and drab colour of her gown, had gone to fetch her mistress. But women were notoriously bad at keeping to time, and the Lady of Mulling might be some while yet. Gervais straightened his shoulders and pushed himself off the wall. He could not wait for the Lady of Mulling what, hang around to catch a glimpse of some woman who could mean nothing to him now. His movement caught the eye of the leader of the beggars Gervais had encountered earlier. The four men were huddled together, talking in low voices and casting uneasy glances around. Gervais hesitated. The men were plotting something. No doubt he was imagining things, but he had gained the impression that they intended some villainy when they met the Lady of Mulling. Yet, what was that to him? Nothing. The dark-haired girl hurried out of the postern once more, 
this time carrying a large basket piled with bread and scraps of meat. She called to someone behind her to hurry, for they were already past the hour. An elderly woman in the wimple and apron of a servant followed her, also bearing a basket, and entreating her mistress in a tone of despair, "'Wait, my lady! It is not seemly! Indeed it is not!' The girl lifted her basket onto the trestle with an effort, and smiled both at the elderly woman and at the people waiting for arms. "'Indeed it is, nurse,' she said. "'Shall these poor folk go hungry, because Anselm is busy, and the others too proud to help me? Come, good people, here is some bread for you, and for you.' "'What, man?' "'That is a painful sore on your face. "'Sit over there till I have finished, and I will dress it for you.' Gervais stood still. "'Was this in truth the Lady of Marling?'